0: Hey guys, so today's episode is presented to you by Podgo. Now I've been using Podgo for a little while now as some of y'all may know, but Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, guys. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C O. And be sure to add my podcast and how did you hear about podgo section of the application? Yes, make sure y'all let them know your girl Rosie sent you. All right guys, make sure you sign up for podgo. Ew Y'all are now tuning into your new favorite podcast, The Rosie Perspective. I'm your host, Rosie. I want y'all to get ready for some laughter, good times, great conversation, new perspective. Of course, we got to throw in some explicit content, overall dope vibes. Now let's get into it. Hey, it's your girl, Rosie. I'm back with another episode of The Rosie Perspective. On today's episode, I have a super fabulous special guest. <laughs> I have Miss Ayana Bean with me on today.
1: Hello, hello, everybody. Uh
0: yes, yeah, so Miss Ayana Bean, for y'all that do know her, and if you don't know her, you're gonna get to know her. She was uh, featured on BET's American Gangsters Trap Queens. So there was a bunch of ladies on there, and Ayana, you know, being from Boston, I had to reach out to <laughs> story i definitely definitely um you know love watching her grow and you know experience life lessons and talk about it openly so uh miss ayanna if you don't mind just giving the listeners a little background info on who you are
1: okay all right well as you said um, my name is Ayana bean i'm currently featured on BT's american gangster trap queens season one episode seven i am from boston mass born and raised here um I um I'm a, I'm a young lady who is just like everyone else, normal person, um, that faced some challenges and made some decisions that weren't the best and landed me in some places that I um that I didn't plan on being. Um, but also in, in, in that in retrospect, I'm also a person who is um you know perseveres, um always looking to to try to to do things outside of the box, um, to push myself to to find other ways other than just work in the nine to five. Um, I felt that there was more to life than just doing that. And um, I also tried my hands in the music business. Um, you know, and it just seems that, um, you know, everything that I tried to do would, would be what anyone else um, could, could do as well. Um, everyone, you know, you get a job, you climb the ladder, or you try to do some side hustles and things yeah. like that to try to make ends meet, um, to get by, or even to. To get yourself into who knows to be the next Zuckerberg or what have you. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, so that's what um that's what I was trying to do. That's how I started off my life, just looking for a way to to excel.
0: Okay. No, like yeah. most of us are, and you're right, because people, you know, most people it's like the nine to five is like barely making it by. We just like, what else can we do? Because it's like not what enough.
1: To do right. Right. Yeah. And then when you when you um, when you finally reach retirement age and you see that, um, OK, you'll probably get $500 a month, you know, that just can't be it. You know, yeah, you, got, yeah. <laughs> you can't live anywhere with that. Right. You're
0: right. You're right. Oh, so if you right. can um, tell uh, the listeners a little bit about your childhood, uh, your upbringing, okay. um, just so they have a little insight on, you know, your little your life.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I grew up, uh, you know, a regular child, middle-class um, family, I would say. Well, you know, I, I call it middle-class, but we probably were considered poor, you know, <laughs> back yeah, yeah. then. Um, you know, my parents were, were young, were married young. Um, so by the time they were 21, they already had me. Um, they were living in the projects. Um, they got their own place in the projects. Their family had come from the projects. So that's where I was born, actually, in um, the projects, actually uh mm-hmm. east boston projects jamaica Plain projects is where my parents first got their own place but then we also live with my grandparents in academy homes so you know that was our life um, you know they they worked they went to school and they worked and um my, but both of my parents have big families um, my dad has uh, is one is the oldest of 11 children and my mom is the oldest of eight children so there was a lot of them a lot of good families a lot of good family times And it was a close knit family back then, Um, you know, as you know, as times change and I don't know if everyone else's family is experiencing this but it seems that there's nothing like those times when I was a kid how how tight and close that our families were even, you know, I have a cousin that's related to me on both sides because my mom and dad um, dated and then my my mom's brother dated my dad's cousin so now they got (laughs) married (laughs) so they were all they were all close um you know they all lived in the same projects and they all hung out together so you know that's how my family was it was you know the same thing the same saying that goes is you know a family raised you know it takes a village to raise a family and they had um they supported each other in in that aspect i mean that's how i was raised in a big family Lots of friends, lots of cousins, and um, it just seemed like happy times, happy times. But, you know, happy times weren't always happy times. Um, there was, you know, there was drinking, there was smoking, partying, whatever was happening back in the 70s, that was okay to do. Yeah. Um, but as life went on, um, as the years went on, things progressed a little bit more on from my father. And him and my mom, you know, again, they were, they were a young couple, a young married couple. Um, and my father was still, you know, probably dealing with other women, things like that. Um, he was using, you know, using, substance abuse was going on. And eventually that led to a big blowout between him and my mom as she was going to school to be like a dental assistant at the time. And she was also working and, you know, they had me. Um, and then five years later they had, I had another sister that was born so I, I just think that my mother uh, with her as she started to mature and get older it was like she wanted to do better things and have more for her family whereas my dad was still you know probably still being young yeah yeah
0: no, um, and that would definitely tear a family apart for sure
1: it totally did it totally did so that plus um you know plus drinking and all the the other things that was going on, it led to a lot of uh, physical physical altercations between and my mother. Um, so for a long time, I was kind of a depressed little kid. I think um, it was sad. It was sad. I loved my daddy. I was a daddy's girl, yeah. and you know, I love my crazy. mom. And I just wanted it to be your family.
0: It's crazy because sometimes I feel like it's said often where it's like sometimes your father or your dad will be a a great father or dad but a terrible husband so it's right. like hard to be the child and just like but I love my dad but in real real time you know like okay my mom's not really getting the best right. husband she can because a lot of people talk about that like my dad was great for a dad but he was terrible right. as a husband so it's it's a <laughs> tough place to be in as a kid like did you ever feel like you had
1: to kind of pick a side between your parents I think that that's that's probably what the ultimate um the ultimate good- goodbye was um mm. just probably as, as my mother was getting tired of my father I was getting tired of my okay. f- <laughs> I, <had> a- <laughs> I was getting tired of, I was getting tired of him messing up too you know um and i I just remember there was a there was an incident where my mother was at school my dad was um had this woman over I don't know why I was home from school <laughs> but he told me um you know that you know she was coming over to he was gonna help her with something or whatever the situation was but they were off in the, in the bedroom Ciao. and my mother, <laughs> yeah, my mother called on the phone and she was like, Where's she I'm like, oh, he's just helping so-and-so, you know, I'm a kid. I really didn't know yeah, that I was yeah. telling on him. I didn't know I was snitching or anything. <laughs> I didn't think anything was wrong, you know? Yeah. So when I told my mother that it was just like click and she was, she came home, didn't she, she came home, you know? <laughs> so this is one of the stories that I do elaborate on more so in the book because that was the last time we were a family you know my okay. mother came home um you know the woman wasn't there of course but you know my father kind of when I told him that I let my mother know that you know and I told her well I think she's on her way home you know I was a kid I didn't know yeah. and he was telling me look at what you did you know now you you know you got me you know I was just like Dad, yeah I don't know what you, got going on. you know I'm a yeah, kid I get it did you blame you know, yourself a for a while for a long time you know yeah, for a long I, time.
0: I, mean, I mean I would feel guilty as a kid especially if your parents ain't look what you did and you're like oops like oh,
1: oh I felt guilty even I'm, I'm telling you that even probably now sometimes I still feel guilty because um Girl, it was I, not, I, not your fault your dad he, knew what he was doing He, knew he, he is. Is. <laughs> you know that's just how he is you know the guilt trip the guilt no trip. I get it right
0: some nerve, the nerve. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, in in addition to your childhood, because, um, I know also on the show, you elaborated a little bit about, um, a toxic relationship that you were in. Yeah. And do you feel like any of it reminded you of your dad? You know how sometimes they're like, Oh, you date your father and, and all that stuff. Would you say that that was kind of the case for you?
1: Um, in the beginning, no, I, I, I would think that it was the total opposite of of my dad. Um, he was a total opposite of my father. Um, a kid, he was a caring person. He is a caring person. You know, um, it, I seem like we were kind of the mirror images of each other when it came to family, and you know, just our our personalities were similar. Um, in that aspect, mm-hmm. as again being a young couple, I started to see history repeating itself, you know, Uh, we were once again we're a young couple as well. And then, you know, the streets are there, you're young, I'm young. But as time goes on, you know, your values start to change. The things that you want start to change, where you want to go, what you want to see, what you want to do, what your future looks like begins to change. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, and I don't blame uh I don't blame any anyone for that, but that's just how life goes. And you have to respect, you have to respect who you are and respect who someone else is and it's not it's not a fault or it's not a you should be doing this or i want you to be this way that's not that's not how life goes when you understand life it's this is what it is and i don't it's not an argument it's not a fight or it's not i hate you or anything it's just that we are in two different places right now in our lives and things change and no, i just respect, you know i just respect it
0: and then i have a, a question because um I think you made a good point when, um, when you discussed the domestic violence in your, in that toxic relationship, you stated, you didn't think it was domestic violence. Cause y'all were fighting each other versus you. Right. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I know domestic violence is domestic violence, but I think a lot of people do look at it. Well, I, I'm hitting him and he hitting me. So he's not beating my ass. So it's not domestic violence. So I guess, what <laughs> would you say to that, to the women that are in situations like that but they don't see it as such because they do fight back when and it's like a regular thing
1: for them it's toxic it's toxic it's it's toxic and you are a domestic person yourself you know you're you're also when the minute that you feel what I would suggest when you're in a relationship and you start to feel like you want to attack someone you want to and I mean not even just physically but verbally um and then it gets to a with the hands or whatever if you can't be upset and communicate with someone then yeah it's toxic how can you communicate an issue if you're screaming yelling calling each other names belittling each other Mm -hmm. that is abuse you know that's abuse you wouldn't want someone talking to your child like that you wouldn't want someone talking to your mom you know you wouldn't want that to happen you have to recognize things and call them what they are we all I mean, we all have different definitions of things.
0: Yeah, you're right. You know,
1: we do. We really do. And it's okay. Again, it is okay to feel that way. But you, again, have to respect that someone's view is different from yours. You're right. You know? Right. And and even though you think that you're fixing a problem or that you're being strong and you're, you're fighting back and all that, what does that even do for you?
0: Yeah.
1: What does yeah, it do for you? You're
0: right.
1: It doesn't do anything for you. Because now you're sitting there and you're side-eyeing each other. And it's just like, oh, wait, well, you know, now you just... it's it's not fun. It doesn't feel good. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. When
1: something doesn't feel good anymore and you are unable to communicate that in a healthy way, then it's not something that you should continue to do. Maybe you have to take yourself away from, it's not always that person. It's you have to take yourself away. Like don't give a person the, um, the power over how you should be living your life. You're right. You don't give them the power. It's like, I feel a certain way I need to remove myself so that I can figure out what's going on with me you're right. we take so much time trying to figure out what's going on with somebody else hey what's going on with me that you're I'm right. dealing with that?
0: you're right you know what and I mean am guilty of that too I've definitely been guilty. yeah I try to change something and I'm like you're not stuck here why don't you just do? no. take yourself out so you did make a key point and that is true sometimes you can be the one to remove yourself it hurts but sometimes you, you need, need to
1: sometimes you need to you know with with pain comes a purpose you know but if you stick if you stay stuck in the pain you won't ever find out what the purpose of that pain was because you're too busy focusing on it right, like you gotta really, right. really you know it's like the glass you know looking in the glass house you gotta remove yourself sometimes you're
0: right you're really yeah, absolutely right yeah. so Okay. So now I wanted to get into, um, you know, your story and to get into your story. um, I wanted to start off with asking, because again, um, from watching the show, I know that you kind of started thinking about doing what you did once. Was it your boyfriend that kind of brought it up? Like, why aren't you, or did you ever think about it prior
1: to that? Like, but you just wouldn't act on it. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I never, when I was working at the jobs, I didn't think of, I didn't think of doing that. Okay. I didn't think of doing it at that time. Um, and I, it wasn't something I would ever thought of doing, I don't think, I don't think. But then I can tell you this. And I didn't mean to make it seem like, and I know I said that, but I didn't make it seem like he's the one who <laughs> suggested or to do this or the reason why I did. Damn. And I'll tell you why. When I was a, a, a kid going to medical schools, I, you know, again, this is all about healing. And this is all about redemption and, and knowing myself. Yeah. So I have, with this journey that I've been taking since then, I go, I've been going back to, you got to figure out why you're doing something mm-hmm. right now. And nine times out of 10, you've always been doing doing this. But it just continued to grow because you've never acknowledged what's going on with yourself. Okay. When I was a kid now, I'll tell you in Mecca, and I, I probably didn't I, didn't, I know I didn't mention this. I remember um if you if you were when you were in school how they had the little book club come around and you could order the books yes. and scratch them off and then it would be like stickers that you could do stickers and pins yeah. and all that well that was an absolute no-no in my household like there was no oh, extra money for that no extra money for that and i was in mecca and it's like but everybody has this and everybody's doing it and i remember stealing some of the smelly good stickers mm. I remember stealing a book. Like, I didn't just start stealing checks. You know what I mean? Like, okay. I had been doing stuff. And I have to acknowledge that now. And I'm just, I mean, this is something that I didn't bring up then. Because it's like, I, I wouldn't acknowledge that. Because I was a kid. And it's like, oh, I, I was a kid, whatever. But no, the, the same feeling that was in me that I wanted more of something. Or that I wanted the better of something. Is the same feeling that I've had during those times. Okay. It's just that it went to a different it was a different level of it, but there's something that was going on in me already. Okay. That I needed to that that I never acknowledged or addressed. I remember being a kid and I even remember um one of the kids' lunches. Like I we I wanted I don't know why I didn't want to be the free lunch kid at some point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And these kids had great lunches. I remember taking someone's green apples before. It was just like I remember these things.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Why was I doing that? I was living in the hood, going to school in nice classy places where people had nice things. Yeah. I was it, it was like this, right? Yeah. And I had a taste of that life and that's the life that I I knew that I wanted a life similar to that. Okay. You know, but going home to a different a different type of life every day. It actually did affect it, it affected my life in a way where It was for the good in some areas, and it also was for the bad in some areas. By the time I got to high school, I was fighting to just stay in the hood. I I wanted myself kicked out of, I got myself kicked out of there. It wasn't even that I got kicked out. I fought them to let me go. And then it was like, okay, well, take a year off, go to a school in in your neighborhood, and then come back. And it was like, I never planned on going back. Because it was like, I reached it, like,
0: no, I don't want to do that. And a lot of people talk about it now where it's like, you know, sometimes it's not beneficial to have your Black kid go to like this, you know, but people think like it's a good idea. But now hearing it from you, you wanted to be out of it because it did do some damage in some sense of having you go to this school, but having to go back home in the hood where it's just like, that's not your reality.
1: And then let's think about this. Why are we being sent to the suburbs to go to the school and not just mirroring, the school system that we're shipping us off to, that's supposed to be so much better. You're right. Uh, you know, why not? I mean, we have the resources, we have the funding. Why would a small town have more funding than a big city? You're right. You're you know, we're, right we're, why, why, is that, why is that the solution? That's not the solution. Yeah. The solution uh-huh. is that you should be mirroring the program that you think we should be sent off to. That's a good
0: point. And that's, yeah. what, that's what we right.
1: should have. And that's the education system. That we should then have, you know, That's
0: such a good point. You're absolutely right.
1: About the whole that. thing back then is, oh, get on the list for Metco. And even when I had my first son, it's like, hurry up and put him on the list because you're on the list for until you he'll get in by the first or second grade. It's like, but why?
0: You're right. I still have friends that do that. They still
1: wait right. to can send their
0: kids there. Yeah, you're
1: right. So, so in, so in my mind, it was this. Well, I'm not going to send my kids to Metco. I'm just going to live in a neighborhood that has a good school system. Mm-hmm. That so, that was my, so that was my, so that was my, that, my thought, you know, so I did, you know, I learned a lot from, from being in that school system. I learned a lot, but it didn't match my life.
0: No, I get it. My but...
1: it didn't. I'm sorry. Let me repeat, go back to that. It didn't match my reality on how I was living.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, no, but what? I used some of those skills to, to use in my real life.
0: Which is good, which is good. At least you but. took away something from it since you had right. to go to school there, you might as well take something from the experience. Right. There, right. Choice. Um, all right. So, if you could tell the people a little bit about your story as far as um, what I know you said you don't like calling it a crime. Uh, <laughs> I was watching you on the Breakfast Club, and you're like, I don't want to
1: call it a crime. So, right. I don't want to call it a crime. Well, I, I don't want to call it a crime, but <laughs> I didn't want to use that. So, it's like I needed to. I keep on saying, well, when I committed a crime, it's like uh, what I was convicted of is I did commit a crime. I committed crime and, and I'm okay with that. And I I want to talk about the breakfast club and the other things back then when I was doing, uh, when the episode came out, I was uncomfortable doing the episode myself. I still haven't. You seem so
0: shy. I was watching it earlier today and you seem like you were
1: like shy to talk about it. Okay. (laughs) I, I still was. I still was. And some days I still am. So all those interviews that I did prior to today. I, I haven't been healed. I had not acknowledged things. I was really still not really wanting to, you know, Oh well, am I supposed? you know, I wanted to still be politically correct and still yeah. be this sweet, innocent person. And, and you know what? That is who I am. I am a sweet, innocent person, but people associate what a criminal looks like with what, <laughs> you yeah. know, what yeah. does a criminal look like? A criminal looks like every single last one of us.
0: Yeah. No, I get it. You know, right. a
1: criminal looks like every single last one of it is not just a person who's in poverty, dirty, crazy looking, aggressive. It's mm-hmm. not. Any person can find themselves in a situation where they will end up in prison. You're right. Each one. You're
0: absolutely right. Whether it's by accident, unintentional, intentional. Right. right. You still
1: can, you could still end up there. You never know. You don't know when people say, oh, well, if it was me, I, I hate that if it was me. you don't know what you would do if you you could say if it was you you would want to say if that were me i would hope that i could make a better decision
0: no you're right
1: you know um it was me and i can't believe (laughs) myself when i look at that you know yeah that was that was not the life that i was um that i was leading to that's not the life that i had wanted and i didn't expect that to happen for me and it's like once i started so for those of you who don't know i'm on american gangster chat because I used my power as a, I used my position as a financial aid. Um, well, well, the first, the first case was I was a Perkins loan coordinator, so I was the student accounts, um, student accounts administrator, right? So with this director of student accounts, I was managing the Perkins loan program at the schools, and also um, graduate student accounts, which meant that um, I had to do the due diligence to contact students to make sure they were paying their Perkins loans. At this time, and not just that, but making sure that the students' accounts were paid, right? Um, some students, of course, would get loans from banks and things like that, or you know, what have you to pay for your education. Um, back then, at that time, well, when I was at Emerson, banks were having um, students do refinance their student loans, right? Okay. So, so that they can consolid- well, consolidate their student loans so that they'll all be in one place. Versus Sally Mae, Freddie Mac, and all these different places, right? And your private loans here or there. Well, they were trying to have students do that before they graduated. And then what would happen is that you lose your grace period. So you know that once you graduate, you have X amount of time to start repaying your loans. Well, if you go ahead and consolidate your loans with the bank, now you start paying now, the bank. There's none of that, right? So you lose your grace period. So a lot of students were, you know, going ahead and doing this because the interest rate that was being offered was much lower than what the actual fixed rate was. So w- they were doing this, and what would happen is that the bank would send a check to the school. So I was the person who would have to, well, for the for the um, for the demographic students that I had, I was the person that would take get the check, sign off of, um, a, you know, I had a whole process that I need to do, right? Can so I ask after, you a quick question? Sure, because I was,
0: um. I'm you know, doing my little research, girl. So, you mm-hmm. know, I was watching some videos and I noticed like um, there was a lot of people under one of your interviews on YouTube where they were having a discussion. So I just want to clarify what it uh-huh. was. Did you steal the money from the banks or the students? Because people were not clear under the comments which one it was.
1: So there were, so, so another thing to clear up is that I had two cases. Okay. The Emerson case was checks from the banks. Okay. So that was the that was my first case back in 2005, right? Um, yeah two, 2004 2005. Um, so it was from the banks. When I did my second case, which was my federal case back in two, I was a, I went to prison in 2014. Okay. The case itself started in 2012. Okay. 2012 was when I was approached yes, 2012, 2013 okay? Um, in the 2014, I went into prison, federal prison. That case was students who were like, say, it was a um, like uh, a training, a training credit kind of program. So you would go there to learn Microsoft Office skills or um, medical coding and billing things like that, mm-hmm. right? So in that uh, in that position, I was a financial aid advisor. So what would happen is the amount that a student would be eligible for was not, you know, they were eligible for more than what was needed to pay for the cost of the school. Okay. 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 So what I did was you could request, but you could request the full amount. Okay. If you requested the full amount, then whatever the difference was, then you would receive it in a check to the school. Okay. Right. All right. So that is that is what my second case was. Okay, I
0: got it.
1: All right. So what it so what I did was students that did not know they were eligible to receive the additional funding, I requested it and kept it.
0: Okay, that's what.
1: It. So that's what I did. So so that's the confusion and the clear up between the two cases. Um, well, there was two cases and there was two different times. So yes, I did. Um, the second case was that I did take refund um, from some students that were unknowingly. Um, and, and I did do that. Okay. I did. Okay. Thanks for calling um, that out. Yeah, no, not a problem at all. Um, and, and again, there was the, the dumbest thing that I could have done because I'm much more articulate and much more smarter than the choices that I made. So that was, that was just a horrible, that w- those are horrible decisions for me to make.
0: And it's something you learn learned from it, which is, you know, it's not like you going around like, yeah, I did it, you know, whatever. I would you never want to anyone to know I did that. You know?
1: <laughs> I would never want anyone to know that I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, never, I would never want someone to know that that's what I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not like, you know, I, I didn't, you know, some people, ca- it depends on how you carry yourself. You know, that's it. You know, when you're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing, you tend to hide it. Yeah. You know? And I hid that from my family of friends. I mean, even people that were in my episode that in- talked on my behalf, mm-hmm. I had to call them like, "Hey, do you want to be interviewed by my being interviewed by BET?" And um, they were like, "Oh, girl, yes, you made it. I'm so glad the music stuff paid off for you." And I was like, "Yeah, no, uh, so it wasn't for that." Um, they I actually you- <laughs> know. I had friends. No, some people did not know until I called them to ask them to do the show. Oh wow! They always. My friends, like they always, you know, friends that I had always assumed that, you know, if if you haven't seen me in a while, they'd be like, oh, she's probably, you know, I know she was out in, you know, Atlanta or something doing some music business thing and things worked out. That's why we haven't seen her in Massachusetts or something or heard from her. And it was like, no, I was in prison, you know?
0: So so I have a question about the music industry. Now, once you got, you know, if you could just tell the people how much money you were convicted in total, um and then after you tell them the amount i want to know you got into the music industry was that originally your goal or you just had all this extra money that you're like you know what let me do something with it and it was the best investment you felt like was appropriate at the time
1: well no that that wouldn't be no either way that that wouldn't be right so the music there was no money for the music industry there wasn't there wasn't anything that was used to to do that stuff kind of like it wasn't a a, a lot to do so what what I did do was I spent the money to travel to I spent some monies to and mind you I did have a salary also so I did work Mm -hmm. Um, but what I did was I traveled to different music events um, to learn the music business so like I was doing like billboard whatever like they'll have um touring and booking kind of conference or whatever go to this conference I would find these different events to go to that I would be networking with on industry executives and stuff like that and network and and learn the business and and meet people um and then doing that and learning from the school that I went to as well um Mm -hmm. creating connections and networking with within my, for myself um you know i had some friends who started a record label themselves and they were just asking me to help so then i was like well wow well, maybe i could really do this because i was actually trying to do my own uh, magazine Oh,
0: okay, you know? okay. i
1: was learning how to do magazine publishing but um it's that as my learning you know as i started to learn different things I was like well maybe i could do something in here you know this looks this looks like it could be pretty good so i started learning about um management and it seemed like that was a good foot in the door kind of thing to kind of you know move through the lines and you know they were learning at the same time that I was learning and I just had a little bit more knowledge and so I would go to you know different places and bring back what I had learned and then I was thinking like wow I've never seen anything like this in Boston like a big event where you know you have different labels here that local artists here would really benefit from this so I started to now go out with the purpose of finding, uh, making connections and networking where I would be able to create my own music conference
0: okay, okay.
1: while learning to, while learning to manage uh, an indep- independent label. It wasn't my independent label, um, but helping them, m- being like a liaison to them. And then, you know, through my different networking, I would, I would get, um, you know, like some jobs from them. So um, I had had some people, you know, different record labels, major major record labels, with that would come in with artists, major artists that would do radio promo, marketing, and video promo things like that. And they they call me like, "Hey, Bean, I'm gonna be in Boston with so and so. Anything going on down there? Can you And I would just like you know start moving and shaking and making things happen. Okay. And so that started to do. Um, and that all came from me networking going to the different events and meeting people
0: okay all right so they're two separate things your
1: music yeah it's two, it's two separate there okay. wasn't a lavish lifestyle of popping bottles at the you know going to the top. it wasn't anything like that I've never even been to California ever really you still haven't been <laughs> Never, never oh, you gotta go
0: to California girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> never was it mainly down south like atlanta
1: florida that you kind of yeah kind of in florida, in? like you know um through, through through the southern region um that's where you had a lot of the a lot of artists were coming up during that time from the south so in, in new york so okay. yeah, th- yeah. Th- those are the places that i frequented um that i was able to do most of the networking in yeah All right.
0: well since you dabbled in the music industry a little bit how do you feel about it now that you you know got to see a little bit of the inside is it something that
1: you are still in is it something that you would want to do again or do it I still do yeah I still what I do now is I consult so I consult for a lot of different artists there's things that you know I still have my hands in a a, a, you know a couple of things I have to do with industry-wise I still connect some dots um I still have you know I'm still networking I still have things I have projects see I don't I don't you know I don't like people I'm still connected (laughs) you know I'm still connected I still do some things
0: all right well that's good so Okay, so I wanted to get into a little bit about, you did, what was your sentence, um, your prison okay.
1: sentence? Okay, so my first um, prison sentence, um, I did eight time and I went to, um, I did time in South Bay. I was sentenced to six months and three years probation. Okay. Um, so my time was spent, so I did, so that means you did like three months, almost four at South Bay, which is now South Bay with methadone mile attached to it. If you're from boston okay. I mean, yeah yes. you know so that's where i was <laughs> it was the one of the most horrible experiences ever in life so why would you then commit a crime again ayana you know
0: questions that you ask after no so you said so for you were there three months
1: yep so i was there about three and a half months yep
0: so lately was, i've been like watching prison shows 60 days in uh, you watch 60 days in for any reason i've watched it's like you know this is so ridiculous this is crazy <laughs> <laughs> so I watched 60 days in. So I'm like, okay, is you said it was terrible there. I guess what would obviously jail is not fun, but for you, your experience, no. what was like the top three terrible like things
1: about being in prison? Well, for one, I don't like being told what to do. <laughs> that, I don't good. like being told what to do. I don't like being talked to disrespectfully. Um and I just, you know, I don't like being confined. I don't yes. I don't like that. You know, I like, but, but you know what? It's that your mind has to always be free. You know, you, you can be anywhere and your mind can be free. You're right. And so, you know, I tried to focus on that. I tried to not think about where I was every day. It's hard not to do that. It is really hard to do that. You have, you know, basically you're in the, what they call is the, you're in the belly of the beast. So everything's in there. Yeah. Um, you have to you have to constantly watch your back um, for some but my I had two different types of experiences so I'm a person who I, you know I'm a friendly person that's not always good to be friendly not in the real world and especially not in prison you know but it is what it is yeah you know you're in prison people are there you're there same thing as you the way that you live outside I'm not a person who jumps into cliques and does all that kind of thing. So I'm still going to be a person that minds my business and focuses on what, what I have to do. Um, so I didn't get involved in other people's business or what they had going on. I stayed to myself pretty much and read books, um, thought about, you know, what I was going to do when I left there. try to create a plan for myself. So with three months of time, and now a person who I've never been arrested before, I never had to go to jail before. So now I'm 30 years old, and for the first time in prison, and I had this, you know, always had these great jobs, you would think, and then now I have to think about, well, what am I going to do when I get out of prison? What am I going to be able to work, you know? So I think that stressed me out more than anything, but, you know, again, you're, you're human, you have to persevere, you have to still make things happen for yourself, no matter what. So I would just, you know, think that there was going to be a door that would open for me mm-hmm. somewhere, you would know,
0: door I open for you after the first time that you got out.
1: Yeah, I did actually, you know, for a couple of months, I didn't find any, any jobs. It was, I wasn't, you know, I was, it's not hard to get an interview. It's not hard to get the job. I, I got several jobs that I, okay. you know, I was offered several jobs, but then after the background check. Mm. of course now that was removed Yeah, and you know I understood that I understood that but as depressing that it could get to be denied you know get dressed up go to a job get the job and then you can't have it just because of your record even if it had nothing to do with the type of crime you committed yeah. sometimes it's just oh just because you have a record you can't have a job that's also something that needs to be changed within the system people should I wasn't even, I was even denied to work for Instacart Really? Yeah. Like, okay, I have a, really? Oh, it? It? oh, wow. Like, what is that? I don't, yeah. I don't get that. Like that doesn't even make any sense. So, um, you know, again, you hold yourself accountable. You hold yourself accountable and you keep trying and you keep trying, you keep trying. One door is going to close. Two doors can open and you have to just keep a positive mind for it. You really do. Because if you don't, you'll lose yourself and you'll end up, in a worse situation that you just came out of. Right. And that's what then that's what happens when we keep facing these um these challenges.
0: What was your second sentence? Did you have to serve two different prison sentences?
1: Yes, I did. So my first case was a state case.
0: Okay.
1: Superior court. My second case was a federal court. So now I'm going to federal prison. This is serious. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is serious. So I um I went to federal prison. I was sentenced to a year and a day. Which is the name of my book? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I was sentenced a year and a day, and I had to go serve um, time at a prison camp in Lexington, Kentucky.
0: How does that one differ from South Bay? Which you so South Bay? I know at one point you said, was it the one in Kentucky that you wouldn't allow your family to visit, or you didn't allow them? To no, visit? they
1: didn't visit me anywhere. They didn't. Oh. I never, I never allowed them to visit me anywhere. I lied to my children when I was in South Bay. Okay. I told my kids that I was at a women's conference for three and oh. a half months. Right. So that one was you know? probably easier they were
0: little to get away with them the year in the day. when did you tell
1: them for the year in the day? Yeah. Well they well they were now, you know, they were grown now. Oh okay, okay. So when I did my first prison sentence my kids were in middle school. Okay. They were in like the fifth grade and the seventh grade. And then, um, you know, and I was always going to different conferences and stuff. And they even came with me to a few. So that was kind of oh, okay. that I could seem a little real, you know, mm-hmm. that could seem a little real. Um, and I would talk to them on the phone. But I just, of course, they, I didn't want my kids to come and see me. Oh, okay. And I didn't want my family to see me in that, you know, in that setting. No, that's understandable. So, so I did allow them to visit me they would have okay so what okay. was
0: the difference between the kentucky
1: jail and south Bay? uh well federal prison state prison is a big difference um okay. federal prison is you, you just hit the big time girl you you just did it this time you know that was that you you messed around with these people you the you would not did it you know that was it <laughs> so <laughs> um i i Boy, what can I tell you? I was in a prison camp, which doesn't mean it's like um, Camp Wonderland, I tell you that much, Yeah. you know, Um, it's not, no experience of prison is pretty at all. Um, It's not good, but it's like, you know, well, people say, well, you deserve to go to prison. Yeah, okay, I deserve to go to prison, but I didn't want to go to prison, and I didn't feel that I should have been there, and that's what I'll say, (laughs) that's what I'll say, you know. Uh, that's what I'll say. Um, prison camp and federal prison all the way out in Lexington, Kentucky. It wasn't the, the most horrible place, probably. I think it was a, um, better than South Bay. Oh, wow. It was better than South Bay. I mean, there's um, there's different freedoms that people have there. Um, you know, like you'll see, um, you get to work. So um, when I first got there, um, normally it takes you a little while to get a job after you get in to the system. Mm-hmm. But the very next day I was able to, I, I talked to, you know, one of the girls that were, first of all, I was sleeping in a hallway. So it's like a hallway. Oh, wow. <laughs> About, I want to say 45 women in this hallway. So it's just a big room. Some women had rooms so that you have a six man, 12 man, four man, you know, you work your way down from the big pod of um, the big hallway of beds and then you work your way down but you'll see in federal prison there's people that are there that are doing a lot more time than you so you think I'll just be sleeping out here this whole time because it took this person two years to get into a room you know so um I just you know I just got there um it was more more so you saw a lot more sisterhood there Mm -hmm. probably because people are doing longer time and they make um, you know, relationship, longer relationships with each other, get to know each other. I wasn't really there long enough to make friends. And I really didn't want to even do that no, I hear you. at all. I just wanted to keep my mind free by keeping myself busy. So I started working out in the kitchen. I had a job the next day. Oh, wow. Yeah, I wasn't playing no games. I, <laughs> I wasn't playing no games. I went in there. I got me a job in the kitchen that next day. And then I already had set up to take over another person's job over at the, the men's prison was right behind us. So we kind of okay. hear the walkway with each other. Um, I had already had set up. There was a girl that was going to be leaving and she worked over at the men's prison cleaning the offices over there. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of this kitchen and that's the job over there that I want.
0: You was not playing.
1: <laughs> I wasn't playing. So, and there were only like a, only a couple of girls, like you really had to be they didn't, they wouldn't let everybody work over there so you okay. know you really had to be a person that you know could go so i ended up um, the girl left probably within a month and i was over there working at the at the men's prison so um, i kept to myself i worked i got up early in the morning went to work came back went to the gym you know i didn't i didn't get involved in what people had going on yeah I didn't get visits, so there was no need for me to um, use money from home to go to the salon inside of your salon yeah. and then <laughs> you know I didn't do any of that stuff. And again, like I say, you live the life that you I would think that if you weren't living that way when you were out, then nine times out of ten when you get in prison, you're not gonna be that person either. Yeah.
0: You're right, you're right. Unless you
1: start losing your mind and yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, but stay true to yourself and stick to who you are and you'll be able to survive any situation. And I didn't have a smooth ride there, even though I minded my business. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, I had an argument with somebody once. <laughs> yeah, because some know? people, it seems like some people, your
0: mindset's that way, but they've been there a long time, or they don't care, or they, yep. you know, to pick a fight because they're bored so I can only imagine because I would have been shook girl (laughs) always
1: respect the difference of people I was I was scared each time that I went to prison I remember being afraid but what I remember doing though I felt in my head that I had a fear but before walking into the gate and as I traveled to Kentucky on my own like I was able to self-surrender self-surrender means you can make your own way there you don't have to get on the flight with the con air is what they call it not just a movie it really is a con era of airplane for prisoners you know i didn't have that yes there is a real there is a real flight like that you get on an airplane you know the seats are small as it is you can't get a bigger big front seat um no first class class, you're handcuffed and shackled so i was lucky enough that i didn't have to do that i took the greyhound bus from from boston from south station to kentucky and then I took a taxi from there to the prison. And then I, you know, just, hi, I'm here to check into jail. <laughs> you know what oh I mean? My God, yeah. You know, so I did that. I think a funny thing, um, I got the biggest laugh. When I got there, there was another woman who who came as well. And she had like four Louis Vuitton luggages. like <laughs> Where was she going? <laughs> her husband, her husband was with her and she was thinking that. She was going to bring in this, like, these are her, her clothing items and things. And I was like, wow. Yeah, federal prison, prison is different. It's very different. Because was I don't was know. Where... She Have
0: to go in there with her Louis bags?
1: Yeah, she thought she, she was like, well, I have my special clothing. And Ma'am. Thinking, <laughs> we're about to wear a uniform. So I, oh, I mean, I was, laughing. I was laughing my behind off at that. Because we were both at the door. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> we were both at the door. I had just come in on a taxi. She, her husband was sitting there. He rolled up in the bins. She had our l- Louis luggage, and I was just at the door because on the way from the on the way from the bus, while I was on the Greyhound bus, I was taking my weave out, pulling out my weave, <laughs> unbraiding my hair. I Had to take my nails off, do all that stuff because you can't no lashes, no weave, none of that stuff. So I wanted to just be ready to to be there you know
0: no I get it I mean you were already you know you had to do I'm it. already
1: going you to, you're right you're right you have to make peace with God about it I really I just always every time I always prayed to you know just ask God to like just give me the strength to make it through the situation that's all that's all I can ask for and forgiveness you know no, you're but right you're right give me the strength and peace to deal with this yes
0: yeah. so is that kind of what you talk about in your book if you can tell the people i know your book is um pre you're on pre-order right now uh for Yeah, your- i'm on
1: pre-order right now, pre-order right now for a year and a day. Um and the book is about, you know, just pretty much what you've asked me about who Ayana really is. Who am i? How did i grow up? Who was i as a kid? Who was i while i was growing up? Who was i even uh, doing this crime that i committed? You know, and i and i go more into depth like that um yeah, I was in a, I was in a toxic relationship, but that's not um, the reason why I turned into a criminal. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. not solely it. That's just a, a, piece of different, different parts of a puzzle. You know that make me whole, and and that happened to be, you know, it was a, it was one of one of the factors of why I wanted to escape my life actually, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the whole. You know why I committed a crime. Um, I don't want to put that again I don't want to put that responsibility on another person that's not what it was I made a decision to do something and I continue to make that decision Um, it was my challenge that I faced I chose to deal with it the way that I chose to deal with it and that's that's how that goes Um, I respect um, that there's a difference between myself and others Um, I respect that there's a difference between how people handle challenges. I respect the fact that I made mistakes repeatedly. How many times is it that you are discarded before you make mistakes? The Bible tells you keep you ask for forgiveness, you make a million mistakes, you ask for forgiveness. You know. We're not going to, you know, not and if you're relig- if not religious at all, then you know that how life goes is there's no limited amount of times that you're going to make a mistake. There's no person walking that Does everything right all day every day for the whole entire life. It doesn't happen like that. You're right. It's up you know, and and that's what I'm learning. That's what my book is about. My book has healed me. It's still healing me. I'm still, you know, like yeah, I'm not gonna say that because that don't look right. You know, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know what I mean? But but it is what it is. And I have to be honest. And I wanted to to give the soul of me in my book. I feel that with the show again, I wasn't completely even ready to tell my story. interviews prior to that I still wasn't really able to talk about it but I could write about it and I yeah. use that to get myself to a place where I'm okay with I, I don't look at those comments one of them almost made me go, you could jump off the roof reading these comments yeah some people are <laughs> ruthless yeah because they don't care about who Ayana is they just right. read
0: story and they're going with that so
1: And and it's okay, and and it's absolutely fine because I've never, one thing I've never been is a person who cared about what others thought of me. I never really cared about that. Unless you're my family, you know, I might consider what you say, (laughs) but I really am not a person who's gonna, oh, I'm gonna jump off the roof because of what these people said about me because the same person that could say the most disgusting thing to you, you don't even know what they're accepting and what they're doing. You're right. you know and it's always easier to point a finger at someone else and sh- uncover someone else's trash so that no one's looking at yours you're right
0: you're you know and we're
1: right. all we're all we're all uh, you know we're all guilty of it mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all guilty yeah. of it i'm a perfect person i don't plan on ever being but i'm trying to be the best person that i can be for myself and that's, that's all that that's for you know and I I feel like I'm continuing to to take steps to walk in my testimony I'm continuing to take steps to acknowledge myself take accountability for myself and my actions and I'm just always trying to stay ahead of myself and making sure that I'm walking the right pace and I'm going the right path and that's what it's about today
0: that's all you can do so where can they find
1: and pre-order your book okay so you can go to my instagram um miss dot Yana Bean. And um, I have a link tree that connects you to all of my different websites that you can buy it from. Um, if you want to go directly to the website, it's Ayana, www.ayanabean.com. That's A Y A N A B E A N.com. You can go to the books website, a year ends a day book.com. And you can purchase the books from there um, for, for pre order once um pre- pre-order right now and you'll receive those books labor day weekends okay uh, then labor day weekend it will be available distributed in all different platforms so you'll have your amazon um it'll be in bookstores and things like that
0: okay all right great so make sure y'all go get her book is, right, there, make any, sure you do. is there anything else you have going on that you can talk about or that you well, want yeah, to promote
1: i have, I have um well, I have a nonprofit organization called A Year in a Day Foundation. Um, and this program is a transitioning program for people that are, um, for 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 felons okay. <laughs> that are re-entering back into society. And also, and it doesn't have to be men or women. And it actually, you don't even have to be in the program coming from prison, but it's transitioning, a transitioning program for those that need help in housing, financial, um, financial awareness, um, different resources that someone would need to make it through. And uh, right now it'll, it'll start off with some, it's starting off with some different workshops. And then uh, what I'm, what the goal is, is to have transitioning homes. So it'll be sober living homes, halfway houses for people to be able to have a safe space to live. Um, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when you're in prison and you're trying to release home, in order for you to, to get out of prison, you have to be, you have to have an approved home for you to be able to go to if you're on probation there's a lot of people a lot a lot of of people that cannot be released because they don't have stable housing you can't be uh, live with someone who has a section 8 or is in public housing um you are receiving any funding you can't do that you're coming home from prison you don't have a dollar where are you gonna go yeah you know not so You go to a halfway house. You got to stay at the halfway house for a couple of months. But before that whole process takes place, you have to get approved to go somewhere from the halfway house. You know, there's people whose family don't have any family or friends that are there to support them in transitioning out of prison. So what ends up happening is you're putting the pressure on someone of, you have to have a job, you have to have somewhere to stay. And then they don't have those resources to do it. Now they're going back out and doing what they know to do that got them back in prison in the first place. So, you know, this is, it's a serious epidemic. It's always been a pandemic going on in poor communities. Um, it's always a pandemic when it comes to to the black and brown um, community. And so um, I think that this is my part and as I've been through, experienced this um, that only the people that have experienced it can really can really um, put it together the best because you know the compartments that it needs You're and right. you know the people you know the people that um, need the help. Um, so this is this is my give back to the community. Um, and where did you say they can find the workshop? They, so that information will be coming out soon. It's all these okay. things. These are the things that are the moving parts, but they'll be able to just follow the a year and a day foundation all of that information will be coming out soon on all of my platforms. Okay, yeah.
0: yes, yeah. So is there any final words you want to let the people know about Miss Ayanna
1: Bean? Uh, I just, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to be the best that I can be. I'm still going to, I'm still going to persevere. I'm still going to make it. Um, I'm not doing anything that could land me back in prison. Um, I'm a grandmother now, so I can't do that. <laughs> Yes, the grandbabies <laughs> need that grandbabies. I have two grandbabies, I do. I do have two grandbabies now. And I don't even know what they're going to think when they know that their grandmother been to jail. I don't even know.
0: <laughs> but they'll see that grandmother, you know, when, and you've taken accountability and you've grown. That's right. That's all you can ask. Well, people. Other people's grandmothers have done different types of stuff. So it's like, that's right. okay, <laughs> no. at
1: least you learned. So you know, you,
0: you're you trying to do the best that you can. Yeah. That's all you. No
1: can matter what. No matter what, I always be real. So, you know, I, whenever I do something wrong, I'm okay with saying, you know, I'm okay with someone telling me where I'm wrong at. I don't have a problem with that. You will never see me diffuse that situation. It'll just be, hey, I accept that. You know, I don't, I'm not the person that did something wrong to you and then said, well, if you feel like I did, no, I'm sorry that I made you feel that way.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that's the proper thing. That's the best thing to say because it happens. Right. I don't run away from, I don't run away from my faults. I face them and I'll continue to do that. And I'll continue to, to build myself. I'll continue to be strong and I'll continue to make a way.
0: Yes, that's all you can do. Thank you so much for talking. You're welcome. To me, taking the time, giving your story. I really appreciate you coming on. I know my <laughs> listeners, they're already looking forward to this interview. So I know they'll be very excited <laughs> to hear from you and just, you know, awesome. listen to your, your story and life lessons. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me.
1: I appreciate you having me, um, and I'm I'm so proud of you, and congratulations Thank to you. you for doing a podcast. I've talked about it for over a year, haven't done it yet. I'm the big procrastinator. <laughs> oh so, yes, you no, should. We ready, girl. <laughs> I'm trying. It, it's another project that's about that you might see over the next few months. Um, but you know, I'm 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 happy for you, and I'm excited for you. This is great. It's great when when you try to go out and get a business going and get something good going for yourself it's very discouraging at times but it you know keep pushing be. through thank keep pushing you. through keep doing it because people need you
0: thank you, we need I to hear you. It.
1: yes thank you.
0: thank you all right listeners so that's all for this time and make sure y'all go and pre-order yes it's Ayana Bean's book a year and a day and yes thank you so much um all right